Welcome to the Craft of Shadows podcast, based on the novel The Jewel of Nineveh by Dewish Basiti. Discover new content and subscribe to receive updates at craftofshadows.com. Now, on with the show. Chapter 6 The Law Court The thief rolled the smooth opal egg between his fingers. His pouch held several of these pretties. Stones too big to trade for dinner or for the company of a woman. A jeweller or a lapidary with a shop well off the main streets and who wasn't inclined to ask too many questions would be ideal. He yawned and stretched out his shoulders. One night in a soft bed for the first time in weeks and he smiled at the memory of the wench he'd left sleeping there. The city was beginning to feel more familiar. Its scents and noises more mundane and less exotic. He'd bought a new tunic and leggings cut in a local fashion to replace the rags he had arrived in, but still made from his favoured black wool. People moving in silk or linen could be heard from several paces away at night. Wool is silent and warmer for nighttime work. The professional's choice. He remembered those words just as his teacher had spoken then to him, a lifetime ago and far to the north. There was a pompous crier in the cloth market square, sweating under the glare of the morning sun. He stood on a crate, holding a scroll outstretched before him and twitching his ostrich-feathered turban around as he shouted his charges. Apparently, there had been an intruder in the Sultan's palace, and although nothing of value was taken, the insult was great. A significant reward and the personal favour of the Sultan would be granted for any information leading to the capture of the intruder. The thief considered for a moment if there was any way he could claim the reward without exposing himself, then shrugged it off and resumed his search. An older quarter, with smaller establishments, sinking into the foundations of the city. Cooler than the sun-blasted open markets. The jeweller in the low shop, necklaces and rings on display behind a window hole barred with iron, was missing a hand. The quality of his work seemed fine enough, but his mutilation was a sign of his variable legal ethics. Heated bargaining followed, the jeweller listing his many poor children, their sad and painful medical complaints, and how hungry they all were, such poor, desperate waifs, each one of them. The thief was insistent and tenacious, and eventually a deal was struck. They shook their left hands, and stones were exchanged for various sized gold coins from different nations. Their value agreed on a brass hanging scale. The thief left the jeweler's shop, 
feeling satisfaction with the deal. He whistled softly to himself a song from a distant land that brought back sudden, unbidden memories of the girl who'd first sung it to him. He brushed the images from his mind, shaking his head to clear his thoughts, then froze as a knife arm came around his throat and he was held firm in a power grasp. Hello again, country boy. Looks like someone didn't take their warning very well. Your eye still looks tender. I'd have thought you'd have remembered us. The man with the shaven head and the milky eye stepped in front of him and sneered aggressively. The powerful grasp from behind loosened for a moment. Then a heavy blow crushed into his kidneys and knocked him to the ground. A sack of rough jute was forced over his head and a cord drawn tight under his throat. His arms were forced behind his back and his wrists burned as they were lashed together with a rough rope. You better come quietly now, boy. It's just as easy for us to move you on your feet as it is to beat you senseless and drag your bloody body down the street. He could hear them chuckling. His captors pushed him along, a heavy hand on his shoulder, turning him when they chose. He stumbled forward until he heard a door grating along stone as it was opened. Three steps down here. Another shove forward and he felt his way with his feet and stepped heavily down the deep steps. The hand fell on his shoulder again, turning him, then showing him onward. They were going underground now. Their footsteps echoed against stone walls, and their feet flapped against uneven, gritty and wet flooring. Echoes, loud and fast after every footfall and the thief knew the tunnel was narrow. The path led slowly down, and the cool damp was slowly replaced by a chill and the mildew scent of decay. The thief stumbled as his toe caught against a rock, but falling he was jerked upright by a sharp tug on the rope that bound his hands. No tricks, The owner of the rough voice pricked him in the small of the back with a sharp weapon, not wounding him, just a gentle warning. The echoes were growing fainter now and from further away. Mano could hear the tunnel widening and the damp took on a mossy scent. They stopped again and there was a rapping on a wooden door. Three short, one slow, a pause, then three more. The word, a younger voice called out, muffled by some obstruction. Thirteen doves, now hurry up and let us in, you clot. We're late enough as it is. Milk Eye's characteristic drawl. Metallic grinding and a click, a lock being turned, and the creak of a door moving on its hinges. He was pushed forward again, and the echoes grew further as they stepped into a large space. 
People were talking in hushed tones, but the words were indistinguishable. He was pushed forward and the muffled whispers ceased. Our special guest has arrived. Good. Now we can begin. Put him in the dock. The voice was calm and low, yet had a hoarse crack to each syllable, as if it hurt the throat that it spoke. You're rather late, Bivar. Did he give you any trouble? Sadly, not as much as I'd have liked, Your Majesty. Laughter rang out around the chamber, Bivar's wit being much to their liking. The thief was roughly pushed forward until he hit an obstruction, a bar above belt height. The ropes were untied from his wrists and his arms were brought forward and cold iron manacles locked in place with a solid plunk. The choking rope around his throat was loosened and the sack cooled off. He gasped at the relatively fresh air, swallowed hard and craned his neck from side to side to stretch it adding Bivar, the Milkai's name, to a short list he kept in his mind for settling personal scores. He was in a large room, brick walls that arched overhead and disappeared into darkness. Despite the damp and, and mildew, tarnished golden chandeliers hung from the ceiling, and mouldering red velvet drapes were hung like banners on the walls. The candlelight cast dancing shadows around the piled crates and barrels that took up most of the side of the room he faced. More candelabra were set about to increase the illumination. No two matched, yet all were silver or gold. In front of the barrels, some tables and chairs were arranged like a tavern. Men and women of all sizes and ages sat on the barrels swinging their feet or tucking them up with their arms crossed over their knees. The chairs around the tables were all occupied. In their centre, a group of larger crates had been placed together to supporting a small platform, a podium for an imposing red velvet throne, spotted with damp and its flaking golden frame glistening in the flickering light. Manu smiled at the theatrical presentation. On either side of the throne sat a hooded man on simpler leather-bound chair. But on the central throne, lounging with one foot drawn up to the seat, was a lean figure in a black leather tunic and leggings. There were many leather straps buckled around each limb, with sheaths for knives of various lengths as well as pouches of different sizes. Broad leather pauldrons protruded through vertical slashes in the charcoal cloak. Beneath the hood, there was just a boiled leather mask with a twisted parody of a screaming face painted onto it. Only through the holes cut to permit sight could a human presence be detected. The hoarse voice came again from the throne. Stranger, you stand today in the low court of the Thieves' Guild, 
accused of practicing your trade without license in the city. Furthermore, you did this despite a courteous and, some may say, overtly lenient explanation of the error of your ways in a previous incident. Manu shrugged and he glanced at the locks at his wrist. This course finds itself in a difficult position. The Thieves' Guild of Ur is unique in the whole world. It is the duty of this guild to moderate and censure criminal behaviour in this city. The other guilds and fraternities cede this role to us, and we carry it out without mercy. Where those in the palace and the rich houses high up on the hill have their courts and their rules, all of which favour the rich over the poor, we down below have our own justice. The law court demands that your targets are the rich and powerful, not the weak and destitute. And by doing so, we bind the guilds of the common people together. You will find, traveller, that this city is ruled by politics, both above and below. Manu examined his fingernails, noted that they needed a bit of a trim, and looked up. You got a point to make? The King of Thieves drew a whisper-quite curved shamshir and pointed its tip at the prisoner. We cannot allow you to operate without license, yet we acknowledge that we are not dealing with a common street thug. To steal from the Sultan's palace is the work of a master. To survive and escape is miraculous. It is a tale which I myself would like to hear in some more detail. For there is something in your eyes that reminds me of myself. So I will give you three choices. Make of them what you will. Go on, said Manu. You are free to leave immediately on the understanding that you will never return to this city. Or... You can join us, receive the rank of hand immediately, be accepted as a full member amongst us, and be subject to no master but the court you see before you. Whispers and murmurs ran through the crowd. I've never worked with or for anyone in my life. What's my third option? You can die. Manu shook loose his manacles with a clatter of iron chains and a buzz of chatter rose from the audience. I see it like this. Your goons were too stupid to take my knife. I see three people with swords and one of them too old to challenge anyone. In the rest of the crowd, I mark three more who could be worth a fight assuming they have knives, not counting the four goons behind me. Them I owe something already. You can count to ten. Well done. Your point is? How many of them will still be breathing when you finally take me down? What about the ones that aren't fighters, 
Reckon I can bleed a few of them too. Is this how you want it to go? There were murmurs from the crowd as they shuffled out of arm's reach. The hooded man on the left hand of the King of Thieves leaned in and whispered behind the shield of, a, of his hand, a red ribbon on his red left wrist. The King of Thieves nodded and looked back at Manu. The left hand reminds me to tell you that it is not our preferred option. Many here consider you just a brother from another chapter and wish to greet you warmly and trade tales. You must understand, we cannot leave you as an unknown variable. It is strictly a compliment. You are too simply too dangerous. It was the right hand's concern in that respect that brought you here to us today. Manu scanned the faces of the crowd, those that were not shrouded by the peak of a hood or swaddled in a headscarf. Some squinted and scowled at him, yet more seemed to display open curiosity, bordering on admiration. As the king of thieves, I must have balanced counsel, so I advise you, if you were to join us, it does not preclude you leaving this city at a later date. If companionship and a purpose prove to be not to your liking, though your censor to operate here alone remains. Manu shrugged. There was nothing to be gained by fighting at this time. I'm not making any promises, but let's see how it goes. There was a ripple of applause from the onlookers. The King of Thieves sheathed the Shamshir and settled back in the velvet throne. You are now a hand amongst us. Welcome, brother. Manu touched his hand to his chest, tilting his head forward in the manner that had been pleasing to the old Bedouin two days before, and the gesture raised whispers from the court. He allowed himself an inner smile at the simplicity of their emotions. As a hand, you may now take your place amongst the jury. What name do you favour? Manu will do. Well, Manu, these are difficult times. War is coming and the Sultan's rule is weak. The houses constantly seek to better themselves at the cost of their neighbour, so even our nobles become enemies to each other. The cowled man on the right hand of the King of Thieves raised his hand. Why was my counsel rejected? No man vouches for this foreigner. Our leader should defend us against Nineveh. So how do we know that this man is not a spy? Simak. You should know that the people of Nineveh are not the enemy. Just like us, they have a new king, and it was he who proposed the tenuous peace that now holds. I do not even think our young sultan wants war, but forces within his own council seek it and manipulate events in that direction. Where are you from, Manu? The north. 
the King of Thieves nodded. Very well, you are not compelled to say more, but know that if you were from Nineveh, I would treat you the same. The right hand of the King of Thieves stood up abruptly and cast back his hood, his teeth bared as he stared down his king. You should show more heart for our city if you care to sit on that throne. His sword hand, a red ribbon on his wrist, in mirror to his partner on the other side of the king, drifted to the weapon slung from his belt. The quiet murmuring of the assembled thieves was cut short. The king of the thieves rose up, several inches shorter than Simak, but his broader shoulders and such a tense, powerful presence of intimidation that the right hand stepped back, half stumbling. The king's hands dropped to knives slung from a hip belt and lightly gripped their hilts. Do you seek this office, Simak? The right hand's fingers twitched, but at length he broke off his glare and his shoulders slumped. No, your majesty, forgive me. He slumped back into his chair and drew his hood up, shading his face and his mood. The king of thieves stared at Simak's shadowed face, then swept a glare across the jury. Does anyone else wish to question my authority? The people murmured their disavowal and cast their gaze down. Very well, let us continue the business of the day. Bring forward the next accused. Bivar dragged a gaunt young boy, not even a teenager, kicking and twisting to the dock and shackled him in place. The boy spat at the older man, who snickered and sauntered away. The hood of the King of Thieves shook slowly from side to side, and a hoarse sigh emitted from the mask. Jum, foolish boy, twice before you have stood before us, and twice before have you been given leniency because of your age. How must we judge you now? The King of Thieves turned to look at Manu, seated on a barrow yet apart from the rest of the thieves. Newcomer, this will be your first duty as Hand of the Thieves. How would you judge this boy? Do you extend your hand to help him up or strike him down? Manu looked at the dirty, shoeless boy, struggling fiercely against his chains. He remembered another young boy, not so many years ago, just as fierce but alone and scared, until the teacher came. What's he accused of? He looks a bit young to be getting into much trouble. The king of thieves leaned toward the dock, glaring at the struggling boy. Thievery again, is it, Jum? Have you been caught stealing food from the market again? Mano shook his head. Food and a child? You babble about your duty to the city, but your words mean nothing. 
This is the first act I see, and by your actions should I judge you? The King of Thieves leaned on the tattered velvet armrest of the throne of thieves, and through the holes in the mask a cold stare fixed on Manu. Then how would you judge this boy, Manu? Stealing food if you are hungry and alone is not a crime. In his head a vision of a cold and starving boy, scared and lonely in a burnt-out city, the snow falling and darkness closing in. The king of thieves chuckled hoarsely. So you will take responsibility for him. Manu glared at the king of thieves and his nails bit into his palms. Better than you would. So be it. Jum is formally assigned to Manu as apprentice. His sentence is commuted to fines, which he may repay by labours for the guild, as assigned by his master. In the absence of any other matters, this court is adjourned. The jury left in groups of two or three, chattering with one another. A few nodded to Manu as they passed, and he returned their courtesy. Bivar stepped forward with a sneer and unlocked the chains. Jum rushed over to Manu and took cover behind the barrel he sat on. He squinted up at the thief, sizing up his new master. It's the first time anyone ever stood up for me. Seems you stand up for yourself pretty well. Jum wiped his nose on his sleeve. I've had to. Yet, yeah, I know the feeling. Jum nodded slowly. I've never had a, a master before. Manu felt a flicker of something he had not felt in a long time. The tension in his shoulders loosened slightly as he smiled at the ragged boy who had struggled alone to survive. And I've never had an apprentice. So bear with me. I'll be making it up as I go along. What exactly do you expect from me? Jum grinned. I don't know. Maybe show me some tricks. Manu scratched his chin. Tricks? I'm not a wizard, kid. Do you fight? Uh, when I can't run. Manu laughed. You have the right spirit for a thief. What do you fight with? Jum pulled a short knife from under his shirt. The wicked blade broadened down its length like a leaf and then curved forward. I took this knife from a drunk that tried to use it on me. When I'm big enough to swing a sword, I'll get one too. Mano looked down at the knife-wielding urchin and let his arms fall loosely to his sides. Swords draw attention. That isn't our usual way. He waved his arm at the boy in a chopping movement. Jump batted it back with the flat of his knife and flashed Manu a grin. Besides, when I use a sword, it is only to measure distance to the other man and to keep him busy. 
My knife does the dirty work. June whistled as he felt Manu's dagger prick his ribs. I understand. I was watching your sword arm and didn't see the other hand move. That was lesson one, kid. The King of Thieves jumped down from the high stage and landed lightly beside Manu. You're making quite a start in our organisation. It's a little early to be depending on me. Perhaps, but I like to think I'm a good judge of character. In you, I see someone who can inspire others and surprise themselves. Manu laughed scornfully and wrinkled his nose at the King of Thieves. I don't think much of your perceptions. I've never inspired anyone in my life. Maybe so, but you are still very young. Many your age would still be apprentices themselves. The King of Thieves rasped a sigh. The city is in a precarious situation. Nineveh sues for peace, but the Sultan's court seems to cause affront and insult with their every action. If you're asking me to kill a Sultan, you better be ready to pay my price. We cannot be sure the Sultan rules the city. The antagonism shown to Nineveh seems without sense or reason. I must determine whose machinations govern these events and then determine how the threat can be eliminated without destroying the stability of the city. The noble houses would pounce on a such a chance and their secret hostilities would be given public blades. Nineveh's army always stands ready, waiting for us to act. If anarchy descends, they will take it as a sign of weakness and a signal for invasion. And you think I would be use against an army? Forget it. I'm just one man and I'm only interested in keeping myself alive. Manu, that was not the thinking of the man who broke into the Sultan's palace and made away from it unharmed. You have great ingenuity, but you think like a loner. It doesn't have to be like that. I'm offering you a home here and the chance to be part of something greater than yourself. A strong team can accomplish far greater deeds than they could individually when acting together. The fate of tens of thousands of lives will be decided in the coming months. You can be someone who helps shape that future. It seems a lot to ask coming from someone who hides behind a mask. I have my own motivations, and I am well aware of the evil that lurks in the high towers. The king of thieves hesitated, then continued in a low growl. I was once captured and tortured. They took my face. Manu blanched. And so you planned revenge. Not at the cost of the city, but I swear I will set things right. So you don't even have a plan? Not a plan as such, just assembling the right connections 
and influences, so that when an opportunity presents, I am poised for action. Manu grunted. You expect me to spring into battle when you give the word? The king of thieves chuckled hoarsely. Something like that. For now we go about our regular business. As a new hand, it is expected that you carry out duties for the guild, for which both you and the guild will be rewarded. Go and see Simak, my right hand. It was he who expressed the most doubts about you joining us. Prove him wrong. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Craft of Shadows podcast. More details at craftofshadows.com. Copyright 2020, Dirush Pathiti and Vinkto Publishing. Title music by Turku, Nomads of the Silk Road, at turkumusic.com.